Hello everyone, it's Lisa here. Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Heart Diaries. I'm so glad you're here. I've got a very juicy episode for you today. Today we're going to be talking to the people who feel like they're the constant fixers, rescuers or caretakers in their relationships. It's exhausting. You're in good company because I am a recovering one. I was going to say I was one. I still can be sometimes. I've made a living out of emotionally supporting people but in maybe a more healthy and boundaried way (laughs) Um, but yes it's a very interesting topic to explore but before I get started on today's episode I want to remind you that on the last Wednesday of every month you are invited to the Wild Heart Huddle which is called Journal in Your Jammies so we do an hour of journaling practice to candlelight and music And we get to um, know ourselves deeper and connect with ourselves and feel at peace in our bodies. And that is a free workshop. You do need to book a ticket. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes for you. If you head over to the the Wild Heart Huddle tab on the website. Oh, that's hard to say. Head over to the website and click on the Wild Heart Huddle tab. Is that easier to say? <laughs> but you're all invited and I'd love to see you there. You buy a ticket, it's free, and then you get a link to come into a private Facebook group. So we get we get, we get into a nice little huddle and we can talk. Um I suppose the only the only um conditions are that the class is recorded and it gets posted on YouTube afterwards. Um but I can't see any of you and if you choose to comment in the chat role I might read out your comments if you've got questions for me I'll definitely answer your questions it's a really good way to get to know me as well if you're thinking about working with me if you're thinking about coming to the World Heart Book Club or booking one-to-one sessions with me and you're not quite sure and you want to experience my energy I mean you obviously experience it here on the podcast but it but um if you want to experience more of my energy and work with me a little bit and and get to know what that's like it's it's a good way to do that so please do come along last Wednesday of every month. Um, What other what other housekeeping did I have to announce? I don't think I've got anything else to tell you today. Right, let's get on with the episode then. Here we go. Are you the fixer, rescuer or caretaker in your relationships? Right, I'm going to start from the very beginning here, which is a bit of a vulnerable share for me, but um, I think I've processed it enough to share it with y'all um as you may or may not know if you're a regular listener to the podcast I had a bit of a crush on Johnny Depp I may have mentioned it a few times do you remember (laughs) I said my inner teenager had a crush on him I mean aside from the fact that the man is beautiful and he probably awakens parts of women that you know other men cannot reach because he is beautiful to look at. But I don't want to talk about that today. Because <laughs> that would be a very a vulnerable share. No, what I want to what I want to talk about is what that crush is teaching has taught me about myself. So always when we're drawn to a film or a piece of art or a person um or a program on the telly or a book <clears throat> and we we we're drawn to it, there's something in it for us to learn about ourselves. It's a reflection of who we are. So I, I make jokes about the Johnny thing and I have talked about um so I, I 
he but he totally bypassed me when I was a teenager. He was in Twenty One Jump Street when I was about thirteen, so he could have well been a poster boy on my wall. I went to an all girls school. I had no brothers. I was very late in that department. My dad said I was boy obsessed, but you know, when you when you think you can't have something, it's human nature to want it more, isn't it? You know, started to uh, was starting to to get in touch with that part of myself. I did have posters of Bross and Rick Astley on my wall. Yes, Rick Astley. <laughs> well, you know, it takes all sorts, doesn't it? So, um, so yeah, and then this last summer, 2022, um, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial was on the internet. Well, it was all over the internet. You, I think, I don't know if you walk around with your eyes closed if you missed it. It's a bit like... Uh, prince harry with his uh book spare at the moment which i am about to dive into and i will be talking about that because i think it's a lovely example of how a dysfunctional family comes undone and it's being played out on the public stage i think the only people that are really rooting for harry are the scapegoats of the families who understand exactly what he's going through by have trying desperately to tell his truth and being you know ripped apart from all sides anyway that's a different conversation so yeah the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case was all over the news and um, we got to hear about how Johnny had um, a very neglectful and abusive childhood and how he had tried every drug going by the time he was 14 which is just desperately desperately sad um Apparently he loved his mum and adored her, Betty Sue, but he called her a bitch on wheels and he said she was the meanest person that he ever had the pleasure of knowing. And he said, you know, you'd have to duck. He didn't know, you know, if she was going to grow another head. So it sounds like he lived in a very volatile, neglectful... Um, and it, and he came from an addicted home. His mum had nerve pills. He he would be asked to go and get his mum's nerve pills. And his dad was very stoic about it. So the way his dad responded to it was that he was very stoic and he used to just take it all from the mum. And Johnny became like his dad. He just, you know, one of Johnny's sayings I've read is is don't uh, don't complain, don't explain. You know, you just you just tolerate, which is really really dysfunctional and in dysfunctional families you break the taboo, the dysfunctional family rule of don't talk, don't feel, you know, pretend it's not happening, brush it under the rug. So then obviously he became a celebrity and he and and then he married his mother. So Amber Heard effectively, so we call that like trauma reenactment or compulsion repetition. And he married his mum. And um, which exacerbated his own addictions and brought his own demons to the surface. And then he ended up in court with her because she tried to, it was a defamation case. So she tried to defame him, which I think she did because I think he lost a lot of work. I think he lost um, the JK Rowling film. I can't remember what it's called now. Is it Fantastic Beasts or Fabulous Beasts or something like that? And he lost um, Pirate Six. Anyway, and people started to treat him like a leper in Hollywood. And, um, you know, it was a horrible time for him. So he went to court because he said he wanted to clear his name. And he said, for all the people that have followed me for years and for my own children, I didn't want 
people to think that I'd been ripping them off. You know, that's not who I am. So he wanted to clear his name. And um, and that's where he got me hooked in <laughs> because I listened to his story and I watched the court case and I became quite obsessive about it. And then I started watching 21 Street and I watched a lot of his films. And obviously he's abs- he was absolutely beautiful. Um, and so so I sat down with my journal on Sunday and I thought, right, let's have a little journal on this because there's something for you to know. And it's inner child work. And the first card that I pulled when I'm journaling. So I I got out my oracle cards and I, I chose a deck which is called Believe in Your Own Magic. And I have used that on here before. And I pulled a card. It was number 33 and it was nostalgia. And it said focus on the here and now. And so that was telling me that this is harping back to a really young part of me that wants to talk and it's got something to tell me and I probably need to have compassion for that young part of me. And, um, you know, my crush aside from Johnny, it's about something much deeper than that. So when I got to explore it a little more, I pulled another card. So I pulled card number 21, which is Clover, and it says release your guilt and then I pulled another card, my third card. So I did a three card spread, which was number 42, which was Homeward, take yourself out on a date. So it's about coming home to yourself. So self-love. So without having any judgment or making myself wrong, I just got really curious. And I was like, what is it about him? And I just thought he's very vulnerable. He's an escape for me. Um, and he's like a, a little lost boy he is a bit peter panish a bit michael jackson-esque you know like the boy that didn't really grow up um and i can still i think see that little boy in him and i always think when we want to rescue someone else so we're going back to the whole i am going to come back to the fixer rescuer caretaker thing but just bear with me because it's, it's important um when we want to rescue someone else's inner child, what we want is for someone to come along and rescue us. Or it's it's our inner child saying, but the person that needs to rescue us is us. We need to be the one that makes it right again because we've missed the bus. Our parents can't do that. Our time as a child is over. And that's the sad part. And so... When I looked at this card, Clover, release your guilt, the first thing that came into my mind was just free yourself from the impossible task that you were given to fix your family. It wasn't your job to fix it, but I took on this role of a fixer. And if you've read my book, Stuck Between Two Worlds, all the way through it, Ruby is trying desperately to make her mum happy. That's what she tries to do throughout the book. And in as a result of that she becomes angry anxious and feels like she is failing and so I wrote in my journal you did not fail you were failed it wasn't your job to take care of your mum it was your mum's job to take care of you now obviously my mum wasn't neglectful in a physical sense she did take care of me she was excellent she was a domesticated goddess really she she was a good cook Uh, She did sewing and washing and ironing and taxiing around and all the thing, all those things that mums do. And and so she didn't physically neglect me. And I think that's because she was so physically neglected herself. 
So in her mind, she gave me more than she had. So when she says to me, I did my best, that is true from her perspective. She did do her best. I had way more than she ever had in her mind. So um, my tummy's talking to me now, so maybe I'll just be careful about what I share. I still feel very protective over my mum and my dad. I still feel protective over them, but I also think that's not healthy. Because they were supposed to protect me. It's the wrong way round. you see how that becomes a thing then? Everything is the wrong way round. It's skewed. I feel guilty because I didn't fix them. I feel guilty. I feel protective over them. I feel guilty when I tell the truth about what happened to me as a child. Why do I feel guilty? They should feel guilty because they failed me on some level. And, you know, all parents are going to fail their children on some level, can I just say, because that's how life works. That's that's how it works. You know, we're, we're never going to get it perfect. We're, we're going to fuck it up. But the, the, the important thing about healthy family is, is that there's repair there after conflict. There's healthy communication and repair and there's boundaries and there's a coming together and there's, um, you know, there's an appreciation of of different perspectives and... Um, and there's love, there's love there. So I wrote in my diary, you just want to fix and rescue him, just like with your family, you're not responsible for that. And if you get caught up in fixing and rescuing people, which is what I observed when I wrote this, it's because underneath that, if I stop fixing and rescuing, what's left? What am I left with if I don't fix and rescue? Well, I'm left with accepting that this is the mum I've got, I've only got one mum, can I accept her the way she is? And in part of doing that, I need to grieve for the mum that I didn't have. And, you know, I wrote, you couldn't fix her, but I know how hard you tried, you've got to let her go. She's not your responsibility. And then the third card was homeward, which is take yourself out on a date. And I think this is just about coming back home to yourself. So you take your attention off of them. There's nothing you can do and focus on your healing and notice yourself. Make your world feel good. You deserve that and more. So the point I'm trying to make is, is that my crush or my obsession and I obsessed about my mum as a child I obsessed about what mood she was in. I obsessed about where she was. I would obsess about what she thought. And when I first went to therapy, my therapist was like, I can't believe how meshed you are with your mom. Like you run everything by her, everything. You know, like if you've got to make a decision or you've got to do something, you need to ring your mum first. And everything went through her, but she set it up to be that way. That's how she set it up. So... I sort of drilled down more into the cards, um, each one. And I looked at the nostalgia and I just said, you know, when I was obsessively focused on my mum, it took away my connection with myself and it made me doubt myself. It, It robbed me of my confidence because my inner child just felt like she'd failed her. Like, why can't I get it right? I could never get it right. She was never happy. But of course she wasn't happy. She had all sorts of stuff going on as a result of her own trauma. And it was nothing to do with me. But children do something called magical thinking where they can't admit to themselves that mummy is really like that because that feels terrifying and unsafe. So they make it their fault. They internalise that it was something they didn't do right, that it was a lack in them 
it was their fault that she wasn't happy. And I, and the, and the thing I've learned as I'm older is my mum doesn't want to be fixed. Nobody wants to be fixed. When you're fixing someone, it sounds like you're criticising them. It's saying, I don't love you the way you are. I need you to change in order for me to be happy. So we're mirroring one another there because my mum was saying, I need you to be like this in order for me to be happy. And now I'm saying the same to her. Well, I need you to be this kind of mum in order for me to be happy. And she can't be. She can only be who she is. And I can only be who I am. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like we're a good match for each other. We're coming from very different places. So, yeah, so I it, it's it's very common in dysfunctional families that parents also act confused and like a lost child. Um, you know, they're linking in and using your empathy against you like they're they're using they're weaponizing your empathy. So what I mean by that is if I talk to my mum about something she's done that hurts me she goes into confusion she feigns ignorance she can't remember she's got selective amnesia I don't I don't think I did say that I don't think that happened or gaslighting me saying you know I've remembered it wrong it's not right and because I've got high levels of empathy and I care about her I automatically then think and also she's the authority figure right so I'm thinking oh she must be right then because she's the mum so I have to agree with her um and 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 I could have a relationship with my mum now if I was prepared to gloss over all of the stuff all of it and just go back to how it was because that's how we got that's how we got by as kids we had to just pretend that none of it was happening and brush it all under the rug and when she decided that she was going to stop being upset or giving us the silent treatment same for my dad then it could all go back to normal. But no one ever talked about it. No one ever said what happened or it was very, very confusing. And then the the guilt said, releasing the guilt, staying in the battle is, is all you got left with these relationships and it's stopping you from connecting with yourself um, and you're being overly responsible with others and it creates guilt because guilt says you are responsible for something and you've not met your responsibility. And if you are a moral person, who likes to play by the rules and has integrity, of course you're going to feel bad if you didn't tick all the boxes. Um, But focusing on other, focusing on someone who you're getting caught up with and you're trying to change their behaviour is losing the connection with yourself. It's self-betrayal, isn't it? It's self-abandonment. You're abandoning yourself. You're abandoning yourself for the other person. And if you've been taught that in childhood, then you are going to play that out in relationships now as an adult, whether that's with a romantic partner or in friendships or at work. You're going to sacrifice your wants, needs, desires and abandon, like emotionally abandon yourself, check out from your feelings and make it about the other person. So I'm going to stop doing that now. So Johnny Depp's taught me that. And funny, since I've journaled on all this chisel, I've stopped crushing on him. I don't, I don't, I'm not crushing on him anymore. It's gone. Because I've gone, hang on a minute, I'm giving my love to someone, my love, my my very infantile uh, fantasy love 
to a person who is emotionally unavailable. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Who does that sound like? Who is never going to reciprocate love to me in a way that's healthy? Ding, 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 ding. But it's safe to have that connection. But maybe that's the only experience that I had of love. And it's familiar to me. So I'm just playing that out. So the Homeward card was more about coming back to myself, um, still holding on to my pain and my scapegoat role to avoid letting them go and mentally torturing myself and gaslighting myself. It's safe for me to let go and get on with my life. Um, I don't need to keep telling myself stories and being haunted by the past. What I do need to do is forgive myself. I don't know what I'm forgiving myself for because I've just said it wasn't my job part of me believes it was my job and that I didn't I wasn't able to make it right but maybe I need to forgive myself for putting myself in that role or a parent may have put me in that role but yeah for putting myself in that role and allowing that to happen I do think a parent put me in that role actually but as a child, I put that myself in that role to survive. I didn't have any other choices, did I? So um, so my, my question was, if I stop talking about her and channeling my energy into her, what will happen? What am I left with? Oh, I'm left with the grief. Oh, no, I'm left with the grief and the pain and, um, and um, the loss. So that, that, was, that was a really deep, the deep... Um, journaling exercise so I have some questions for you journalers if you've got your journal with you or you've downloaded your pretty podcast notepad which um, you can get from the homepage on my website I shall put a link in the show notes for you I have some questions for you to take an inventory of your contribution to relationships so my first question is Do you feel like you have to take care of others in order to feel valued and loved? That's the first question. You don't, but you might feel like you do. Is it scary to imagine somebody wanting to be with you because they really like you and not because they need or rely on you? So just by being you, you're enough as you are. Why do you prefer to neglect your own wants and needs in order to prioritise the needs of others? Well, that's a biggie, isn't it? Why do you prefer to neglect your own wants and needs in order to prioritise the needs of others? Sometimes, you know, that isn't selfless giving either. It's controlling. I'll own that one. If you're over giving in a relationship to maintain some kind of control or you're keeping tabs and thinking you owe me, or uh, you're giving from a place of resentment and not because you want to, because you feel a sense of duty and obligation. It's not really giving, I don't think. Do you feel like your needs are too big and complicated? <laughs> yeah, no one will really understand me. No one, Someone's made you feel like you're a burden, basically. Let's stop making a fuss. Oh, you're just too sensitive. Oh, you're overreacting. Oh, don't be so dramatic. That kind of thing. Do you feel like your needs are too big and complicated? Do you end up feeling resentful or taken for granted in relationships? Did you feel like that in your family? Um, I didn't. 
I didn't feel like that in my family, but I did in relationships outside of my family. I still think I find it hard to see myself in a daughterly role. I don't really know how to be a daughter. That might sound weird to you. I know how to be a parent to my siblings, which is unhealthy. I know how to be a parent to my parents. (laughs) I don't know how to be a daughter and how to be a sister and how to be a friend. So I'm learning. I'm learning all of that. What's scary or holding you back from setting boundaries and limits? (laughs) Maybe you're scared of not being liked. Maybe you're scared of being someone getting angry with you. Maybe you're scared of somebody being sad and crying. Maybe you think that by saying no, that um, your words have that much power that they can break or upset another person. Why not make the decision right now to always speak up and ask for help when you need it? What's stopping you? (laughs) it's very vulnerable isn't it asking for help because there's always the prospect that somebody might say no to you but everyone has that right to say no to you and equally you have the right to say no when people ask you for things works both ways doesn't it yeah and what makes you think you can never have a balanced relationship i just said that to you i don't think i've ever had one i think i've always been the person that gave 150 percent I talked to my coach about this today and she was saying the answer is to, 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 to back off, to give less. When you give less and you take your energy out, the other person will either come forward and do their fair share of the work or they'll disappear. That's how it works. And maybe you're scared of losing people. Maybe you're holding on to people and you're scared of letting them go. Perhaps you're afraid of being on your own. Um... Your partners allow you the gift of connection when they ask for support. So can you give that gift back to them? Yes, everyone's leaning on you for support. But. um, And that's a gift. So can you can you allow them to do the same for you? And that that creates a more intimate, deeper connection with someone. Um, Otherwise, I think relationships are quite superficial I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Come on over to the comments page on the website and um, write your comments or drop me a voice note on Anchor or slide into my DMs or you can email me and say, I listened to this episode and I really enjoyed it. I found it really helpful. If you did find it helpful today and it's brought up a lot of stuff for you that you'd like to look at, I'd like to invite you to come to the Wild Heart Book Club which is my six-week healing circle for meeting your inner child. It's your inner child that needs the help. We need to talk to her. We need to find out what's going on for her. She was probably put in that role at a really young age. Fix a a role is really common in families, in dysfunctional families where you've got an addicted parent. Um, Yeah. Or, or, or indeed a narcissistic parent who's got stunted or emotionally immature parent who's got who's got stunted development whereby you're playing the role of the parent and they're playing the role of the child and that's what we call parentification and I have talked about that on here but if you were parentified you're probably going to be overly responsible so I've just been become an observer of that and I've been noticing where I'm I'm saying is that my responsibility or is that the other person's and I'm letting the other person do a bit more of the work 
Because you're robbing people of the opportunity to grow and learn, aren't you, if you're doing it all for them? Um, and you're also creating a dependency on you, needing to be needed. Um, yeah, which isn't love, is it? But that's that's uh, that's today's episode. I hope you've um, you hope you found it helpful. So if you've got a crush on somebody, <laughs> I don't know if you have. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Um, there's a reason why you're drawn to that person. They'll remind you of a parent or they'll remind you of a sibling or they'll remind you of a part of you, maybe a lost part of you that's forgotten. I mean, I can totally relate to the lost little boy and Johnny. That was me in a, in a different kind of family home, but still as dysfunctional. That was me. And um, and that's why the Wild Heart Book Club is really good because it's a chance for you to go and get your inner child and bring her home. There you go. And come back to yourself, which was the, the last card in my journal spread. So, yeah, so that was quite a personal share today. Um, but I think this dynamic is way more common than we think. I think society is quite codependent. I see a lot of dysfunctional behavior online particularly with this situation with harry and the royal family and um, i need some time to gather my thoughts and i don't know whether to wait until i've read the book or just say what i see online it's quite telling to me i did a poll in my instagram stories and people were saying i don't need to read the book i feel like i've i'm sick of hearing about it from the press and then other people were like saying i'm not interested in it and i feel like you're either not interested in it because it doesn't apply to you you know you don't come from a family like that or you're not interested in it because you're in denial there's some of that going on I'm sure but the hatred online is just it's it's so unnecessary it's so unnecessary and it's alarming because you know we're trying to help men with their mental health and we're trying to give men permission to be more vulnerable with their feelings and talk about their stories and say what's happened to them. And yes, he's doing a press talk, he's promoting a book, but this bloke gets on the telly and he starts talking about how his family and the and the media have bullied him for years and people are just so unkind. Bullying is abuse. And the fact as a as a society that we respond to his pain in that way is utterly disturbing and unnecessary to me. Maybe I don't need to make an episode there. I've said it now. I feel better for that. <sighs> right. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go now, but um, I've loved chatting to you. Thank you for listening in. I'll be back soon with another episode. All right. Stay tuned. Um, so until next time, stay wild, choose love, so much love to you. Bye for now.